Welcome to the Utah Podcopalians, a podcast from the Diocese of Utah. I'm Craig Worth, and today, a very special guest, one of our resident clerics, the Reverend Canon Mary Jo Nessler, has a, well, a mission, has a vocation, a calling that is not exactly resident in the state of Utah, even though she's one of our just long time and beloved priests, Mary June is in Jerusalem as the course director of St. George's College. And yes, I said Jerusalem in Israel, where she has taken so many people, enriched their faith by showing them, by telling them, by living what's called the fifth gospel, and that is the land of Israel. So glad you took a week to come back to the United States and visit and Utah, and let's get right started. Why should a person go to Israel, to the Holy Land, and see where Jesus walked, to see where the New and the Old Testament really took place? What does it do in one sentence? And I know in a year you could sum it all up in one sentence, right? <laughs> yes, thank you, Craig. People should go because it's eye-opening and life-changing and faith-changing. Our uh, pilgrims who come to St. George's College are, are always surprised at the depth of their reaction to the land, the uh, movement of the spirit that they encounter there. It is a holy land on top of all the other things that it may be politically or socially. But people sense the holiness of this place where centuries of pilgrims have, have trod. You are an archaeologist. You're, of course, a religious scholar. You've been a teacher for many, many years, for decades, and you know Israel. You told me once that you've been there, what, 50, 60 times? Not to mention in the entire year of last year. What is the draw for somebody as a scholar, as an archaeologist, to go and see the land for you yourself? rather than read the Bible, and I know you read the Bible too, it's not a substitute, but what, is the, what has been the draw for you for all these years? For me, the draw is something that our pilgrims uh, put so well, and that is when you read the scriptures and you haven't been to the Holy Lands, um, you're reading them in black and white, and after you have been there, and especially in my case, after I have been uh, dozens and dozens of times, and now that I live there, the scriptures are in living color. It, it adds a richness and a dimension. And so on Sunday morning, when I hear a lesson about a vineyard, as I did just this past Sunday, we had a marvelous lesson. I was just 10 or 12 days ago in a vineyard in the middle of the West Bank. And I could see those images and, and it came to life. You use the word pilgrim. We think of pilgrimages perhaps from centuries ago. We think of some um, a group of people getting together to, to go and, and to enrich or to live their faith. That word pilgrim, what does that mean to you, that word pilgrim? I know there are people that say, well, I went on a tour of Israel, of Jerusalem, or I um, went with a study group or a university group. You use the word pilgrim. What is the difference? Well, we uh, at St. George's College, which is the Anglican Episcopal Study Center for the entire world in Jerusalem, 
we offer what we call a study pilgrimage. And our people who are pilgrims are engaging in a very different way with the land, with the Bible, with each other than the average tour would do. Yes, we get out on the sites. Yes, we're visiting all the places you might visit on a tour and many, many more that the college uh, uh, includes in our itineraries. But what we do as a pilgrim, the pilgrim engages the feet. We do a lot of wonderful walking. The pilgrim engages the heart in learning, in meeting new peoples, peoples of the land, the rich variety of human beings that inhabit the Middle East, Jews, Christians, Muslims, and others. And then the pilgrim is undergoing a transformation of the spirit and is uh, what we try to do on our study pilgrimages is through prayer, through Eucharist, through our what we call reflection sessions, we invite people to speak with one another on their uh, pilgrimage about their journey. So a pilgrimage is at rock bottom a journey. And it's a journey that doesn't have a particular beginning and it certainly doesn't have a particular end. And in fact, it's not about the arrival at a destination. It's about getting there. It's about being with other people. You know, Craig, it's not an accident that two of the most important works of English literature, uh, Pilgrim's Progress by Bunyan, and then Chaucer's Canterbury Tales are about pilgrim. There is a something that happens when you go to Israel. Whether you're looking at the Old Testament or the New Testament sites, they become a surprise. Um, I was fortunate as you know, to actually go and to attend one of, um, walk around with one of your courses and to see your amazing ability. You, you have an amazing ability. But what are some of the surprises now that people see that tell you you've had hundreds and hundreds of pilgrims go through? What are some of the surprises that not just Anglicans, just, and, and I know people are open to many religious or faith traditions or none at all to come and, and study. What are some of the things that they tell you after looking at these sites? Well, there are a couple things that are consistently surprising, and one is how much is left from the period of Jesus from the first century uh, A.D.? And when we go, for instance, to the Temple Mount, today called the Haram Sharif, the noble sanctuary of the Muslims, when we go there, people are simply astounded at how much of the great retaining wall and the related structures uh, that Jesus saw were there. We can walk on a broad, beautiful white Roman period street built by Herod the Great that I think there's a 100% chance Jesus and the disciples walked along that corner and turned left, just as we do. So that's one surprise, how much there is to see and touch. We also hear from our pilgrims a comment, wow, Jesus walked a lot. They are so impressed when we get up into Galilee at just how far things are, how near, but how far and how much territory he covered, not only in the land of Israel, 
but he goes out to the seacoast along what is today Lebanon, and he goes eastward to Jerusalem and Gadara in the scriptures, and you couldn't do it today. You would be exhausted. Plus, it gets a little warm during oh, parts. Yes, it you know, does the Bible doesn't seem to mention at this point. Jesus sat down in the shade and uh -huh. said, "Why did I pick this land?" I mean, it, <laughs> that's it has right. That, uh, <laughs> they were hardy people. There's another thing that surprises people. I mentioned how far Jesus walked, but in fact, people are surprised at how close together many things are. the The Mount of Olives is just literally a 30-minute walk. Um, from downtown uh, Jerusalem, from the old city. And so things are smaller. The whole uh, main part of Israel in the West Bank is about as big as Delaware. It's not a big place. One thing that also struck me is we see stories in the Bible, whether it's old or new, and we kind of forget that these cultures, and I think of King Herod, that he appears um, very prominent in the early years of Jesus' life. We all know the story of um, every two-year-old child um, because of his fear of Jesus. But we see uh, when you go through there that Herod's and his son's palaces, they're part of life for the entire ministry of the Lord. And, and you see a historic perspective that the Bible, even though the Old Testament is thousands of years, in some cases, before the New, that this all still goes into a continuum of time throughout the entire Bible, doesn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Um, and how much is old by the time Jesus uh, is, is born? Um, let me give you a for instance. Um, when Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at the well, and that well is still there. It's the only well there in Shechem which today is Nablus in the West Bank. When Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at the well, that well's over a thousand years old, connected to the patriarch Joseph, and it's near the city of Shechem, which is two or three thousand years older than Jesus. So what I like to do with pilgrims when we visit Tel Balata, ancient Shechem, I like to stand in the city gate that was built around 2500 BC. And I like to read the passage in the book of Genesis where it says that Abraham arrived for the first time in the land and he entered the city of Shechem. And we are likely standing in the very gate where Abraham entered that city. And it was already old in the time of Abraham. So there's there's just an antiquity that is hard to get the mind around and it's endlessly rich well you of course exercise your ability to prayerfully um, give a passionate look at the holy land at all these stories all the locations um do you find that even after all these years that you've been going there that you've been teaching that you've been leading pilgrims, do you see things new? Do you see a new, like a tingling of your faith? I have found a constant tingling of my faith, as you put it, absolutely. Um, I have found in the year since I have been living in Jerusalem, I remember the first couple weeks I, I lived there, and I would wake up at night and I would realize 
uh, kind of shockingly, I would realize that I myself was sleeping about, a, about half a mile from the tomb of our Lord in the Holy Sepulchre Church. I was sleeping very near the place of his crucifixion. You can't not be moved by that or find your faith enriched. But I think what enriches me even more than places are the pilgrims that go to those places. It is really moving to go into, say, the Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem, um, the oldest continuously used church in the world, and to stand in that church with pilgrims singing in Chinese, in Tagalog, in Spanish, in Norwegian. It is amazing that Jerusalem and the holy places bring together the Christians of the world, and even many Muslims, for in the Muslim tradition, Jesus is one of the major prophets, and you will see Muslims coming to the shrines related to Jesus's life and uh, praying there. Um, and it, that's wonderful to see that community. It was also wonderful for me to see many of the world's major faiths together in one place and a walk through the old city and you can see um, whether it's the products that are being sold, whether it's the vendors, the vegetables being sold, which are probably sold in the same way they were 2,500 years ago, but to see various faith traditions exercised in daily life, Muslim, Jewish, Christian, and others, and then among even Christianity, I know at the to watch Orthodox, to watch um, Coptic Christians, to watch Roman Catholics and our own Anglicans all in the same day and, and practicing the same religion. As you mentioned, our, our wonderful Muslim brothers and sisters and our Jewish brothers and sisters. Do you find that uh, that's a, a part of the enrichment too, that you're not just going to a Christian biblical place you're going to the world's faith uh, centers. There is no place quite as outwardly religious as Jerusalem. The religious costumes are extraordinary, the um, spirit is extraordinary, and the cooperative spirit among the faiths is extraordinary. Well this is a good time to remind you you're listening to the Utah Epochopalians, a podcast of the Diocese of Utah I'm Craig Wirth, and our wonderful guest today is one of our resident priests, uh, the Reverend Canon Mary Jo Nestler, whose uh, vocation, whose calling, and really whose expertise is right now in Jerusalem, where she is the course director of St. George's College, which she's already described as being one of the great Anglican Episcopalian centers of um, of knowledge and where you learn so much about the uh, Holy Land and the Holy Land as we've just kind of hinted about is not just a Christian place it's not just a Muslim place it's not just a Jewish place our brothers and sisters of virtually every faith can be found there and just even a walk through the old city you will see merchants and products 
that are geared towards the religious practices of many faiths. You will go to a church um, and you will hear services in Coptic Christian uh, services. You'll see Orthodox services, Greek Orthodox services, our own Anglican services. You'll hear people talking in Chinese and any type of language. And is that one of the beauties of Jerusalem for you? It is absolutely. Jerusalem welcomes the world. Jerusalem uh, is, is not just a tourist center. It really is a spiritual hub for the world. Um, and there's remarkable cooperation. At St. George's College, we offer one of our particular pilgrimages that is designed for visitors from North America and England who are Jewish, Muslim, and Christian. And we offer that course for all three together. And we set that as a model. And it's quite amazing when we go out into the community, people look at us and they can't quite believe that all of us are in one group. And we have an opportunity to say we're here for the purpose of learning about one another and, and to do what we can together. Let me tell you about a remarkable thing that Christians are doing together in the West Bank town of Nablus, ancient Shechem. Um, Nablus has 180,000 plus inhabitants. All of them, except 600 people, are Muslim. There are 600 Christians. Well, we have an Anglican church there, an Episcopal church, St. Philip's. We have a priest there. And there are two other types of Christians, Greek Catholics, and there are uh, Eastern Orthodox Christians. Now, they work together, and what they do together is remarkable. The Muslim Holy Day is Friday, so kids don't go to school on Friday, which means that all the Christian kids of those three churches, more than 160 of them, come together Friday morning for Sunday school on Friday. Now, it would be unthinkable in the United States, I suspect, I've never heard of it, for Episcopal Sunday school kids to be taught regularly with Roman Catholics and Eastern Orthodox Christians. But there, it's quite normal. And they educate one another about each other's faith, but also about their own particular brand of that faith. And it, it's wonderful cooperation. One of the beauties when you mention these various faith traditions and people, I know the beautiful St. George's College, and we're going to get to that in a moment because the Diocese of Utah has a wonderful opportunity coming up. But I wanted to mention just one of the things that I recognize, St. George's College, again, a, a gorgeous uh, college, 100 years old almost, I understand, and it's located in an area of Jerusalem that is Palestinian, um, and, and you get a feeling of, of just this multi-cultures. And I know uh, when Bishop Hayashi and I would go out for lunch, we'd go over and get traditional Palestinian food on street vendors, and that makes me wonder, and I gotta ask you, and I'm sure everyone asks you, we hear the stories of unrest. We hear the stories of people, uh, safety. I can say I've never felt safer and uh, maybe you can approach that. The safety issue in Israel, we see news reports, is it safe? 
Yes, uh, thank you, Craig, for asking that because I feel it is safe. Last year was the number one year in Israel and the West Bank for tourism, and that's uh, by the Tourist Board. This year we're experiencing an 18% increase. And every tourist that comes, every pilgrim that I have led has the same response. It is so much calmer here than I expected. I feel completely safe here at the college in this compound. I feel completely safe walking down the streets. Craig, I feel safer walking around Jerusalem and the cities of uh, the West Bank and, and Israel than I do in many cities here in the United States. Now, does that mean there's no tension? Yes, there's tension. But let me say, I made something of a joke last year when I moved to Jerusalem. I said to someone, I'm going to move to Israel to get away from the politics. And they laughed and said, really? Israel is the political capital of the world for political discourse. And I said, yes, it is. But there it is. Nor it's a normal part of the fabric of life at an intensity that you get used to. Now, yes, there are things there that, that people will find challenging, but not from a safety point of view, from a social perspective, from uh, a military perspective. Yes, the West Bank is occupied by the state of Israel, and Palestinians and Israelis uh, are still, to put it mildly, working things out. And uh, there are times I feel it's simply intractable, that there will be no solution in our time. And there are other times I see remarkable movement from both sides, from all sides, toward wanting to live in peace. And so we Christians who make our home, who come and make a home in Jerusalem, um, are there both as a witness and a support to the dwindling numbers of Palestinian Christians, and they are emigrating at a very high rate. There are only 2,000 native Christians left in Jerusalem proper, and that's alarming. Um, in Bethlehem, more. In Nazareth, many more. But um, we, are, we are trying to find a way to be a witness as people who pray and work for peace. And it is not unusual to hear a sermon in St. George's Cathedral, the Anglican Cathedral, that's on the same uh, compound as our college, the Cathedral Close. It's not unusual to hear a sermon that would just knock your socks off in terms of its, of its willingness to, to extend a hand toward making peace. It's also just wonderful to hear the same hymns that we hear in Utah, only they have a little Arabic twist to their <laughs> yes. language, and the cadence is the same, the Nicene Creed, the cadence is the same, right? and you almost think, the words almost sound the same, but they're not, they're in, in Arabic. This is a good time to talk about the college and to talk about the Diocese of Utah is um, going to be announcing the dates of its um, pilgrimage. Um, the Bishop Hayashi is going to lead the people from here and turn them over to your wonderful uh, instruction. Why should a person go on a faith-based pilgrimage with the Diocese of Utah and um, be one of those that then is turned over 
to you for um, wonderful stories, for prayer, and to, in 10, 15 days, really come back and rich. Why should we do this? And tell us, that, that's also a little bit about the college. It's a great place to stay. I was amazed. The food is wonderful. I got to tell you, now the faith was good, but the food was wonderful. <laughs> the, um, I, I will quote our pilgrims who, are, who at the end of each one of our study pilgrimages tells us the same thing. This was so much more than I ever expected it to be. The components of learning, of history, of archaeology, of Bible, of prayer, of reflecting together, they came together in a way that was so much more than the sum of its parts. It was more moving than people expected it to be. Um, it's not unusual in our final reflection time for people to be in tears to say what had happened to them and their faith and what they can't wait to tell people when they get back. So um, the college uh, tries to create a special experience, and we're known for that. We are different from other places um, that provide a tour. I always say the word tour is a four-letter word to our pilgrims because what we do is much deeper than that. We'll spend more time. We do some what we call briefings, mini lectures, half an hour to 45 minutes before we go to a place to learn more deeply about it. And we have a deeper encounter with scripture. That's why I think our people come away um, and believe me, they, they are people from congregations up to uh, archbishops who come. They are Bible scholars or they are Sunday school teachers. And everyone finds a way to access what we do at the college. And so don't, I, I would urge our listeners not to think the word college is a traditional thing. St. George's College is best described as a continuing education center for Anglicans of every kind from around the English-speaking world. And take a look at the website if you're interested because it lists the various uh, programs, the various opportunities mm -hmm. that you have, and you'll see some beautiful pictures of the, and this is just something out of a movie. The grounds, the beautiful gardens, and even the gardens, I love it, they're, they're biblical-based. Of course, there's olives. Now, you're going to find a lot of olives, a lot of figs in all throughout Israel, but you'll see the various plants. You're, you're, you're living you're living among a Bible. Now, we all have to say the Bible is still a living book, but you are living among the stories of that Bible when you're there. As you know, I was deeply touched by it, and, and of course, deeply touched by your ministry and what you're doing that just is, has helped enlighten the world. I was struck by the fact that you go to Israel, and we've talked about this, you're walking around and you go, my goodness, this is southern Utah. This is Moab. Yes. And it really is Moab. <laughs> it really is the real Moab, yeah. yes, um, the original Moab. What I would say is, first of all, Utahns, more than perhaps any other Americans, uh, are going to be very comfortable in the landscape of Israel. It's going to look a lot like home. And then secondly, I would say what a joy it will be for me to have my friends from the Diocese of Utah there at St. George's College uh, and to be part of the ministry that it is my privilege to exercise there. 
and it's our privilege to have you as one of us still. We, we don't see you as much as we used to. Mm -hmm. When you were actually living in Utah, you are still a Utah priest, long time priest, and um, uh, I won't say how long, because um, that would mean then I'd have to say how long I've been doing this stuff too. 13 years now is wow. the answer to that. Yeah. That's amazing. And so it's a wonderful story. It's a story of faith, a story of joy, a story of enrichment, and a story that I think every Christian probably thinks about in the back of his or her mind, and that is to see the land of the Bible. You've been listening to the Utah Podcopalians, a podcast from the Diocese of Utah with our special guest, the Reverend Canon Mary June Nessler, the uh, program director, is that the right term? Course, course director, course, course director. director. Oh my gosh, almost made it through all <laughs> the way with the, the right thing, of the St. George's yeah. College in Jerusalem, an Episcopal priest, and I'm Craig Wirth of the Diocese. Thanks for listening.